American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. When historians talk about the early 19th century economy, we invariably talk about Henry Clay's American system. But what is important about the American system is also that there were, in fact, many different ways in which the economy was organized, especially financially. That instead of it being one system, there were many systems, often in competition with one another. Well, let's start, start with Henry Clay. So, Ed, what, how do you describe the American system to people? Well, I, th I think the first thing to remember is that we talk about Henry Clay and his American system, first of all, because it's so easy to do that, because he's a great American story. He starts off relatively poor in Virginia, moves west to Kentucky to the frontier, and he becomes incredibly wealthy and powerful and successful as a land lawyer. Now, what he usually ends up doing is working for uh, wealthy investors and speculators who want to take land claims away from... Uh, uh, from poor farmers who don't have the same kind of legal firepower to, to make their claims really stick. Like, for instance, Thomas Lincoln, the father of Abraham Lincoln. This is why he ends up moving from Kentucky, for one, for one thing. But uh, after that, he sort of springboards into a national political career, and he's so persuasive uh, and, and so charismatic that as soon as he gets to Washington in 1811 as a newly elected congressman, he's able to convince his fellow representatives to give him the most powerful position in Congress, the job of Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives. And using that, he even convinces the entire Congress and the President to declare war on Britain, the greatest power on earth. So this might not have been a smart move, uh, but it shows how persuasive he was able to be. And to a large extent, he's able to persuade uh, the American political elite for a few years to go along with what he calls his American system. Now, let's give you a little test. Can you remember what some of the elements of the American system? I, I'm a terrible student, Ed, so why don't you tell, tell me? All right, well, I'll school you then. It's, uh, it's what I've got to do. But uh, first of all, he wanted to have a national bank. Now, remember, Alexander Hamilton had convinced uh, George Washington uh, and the first Congress to establish the first national bank way back in 1791. When the charter of that expired in early 1811, that bank was, was ended. It was, the charter was not renewed. In 1816, however, Clay convinces Congress to establish a second bank of the United States. So that's, that's the first element. Okay. All right, so the second element uh, is a tariff structure that will protect new U.S. industries. And like what kinds of industries? Are you textile about? industries, of course. Those are the industries that matter at this point in time. And in 1819, uh, the U.S. Congress puts in a tariff structure that protects especially those kinds of uh, textiles that the U.S. does really a really good job at making uh, from British competition. It lets in other kinds of textiles, but it protects the specialties of the like U.S. Like factories at Lowell, for instance. Exactly, exactly. All of those new factories which make relatively cheap cloth. And then there's a third point which is really important, and I know you know a lot about this actually, uh, and that's uh, the fact that Clay wants to establish a nationwide plan for improving the transportation infrastructure. The U.S. is a really big country. Uh, this is a point in time in the early 19th century when it literally takes three weeks to go one, from one side of the U.S. to another, to go from New York to New Orleans. And I think you can't overestimate the importance of this transportation revolution in transforming American capitalism. 
it's a big country, people. And being able to move things around matters a lot. And so even as we talk about the American system, we talk about these banks and things like that, alongside it, there is another development, especially in the realms of the finances of bonds and stocks that also have an incredible variety. And it's not the easy way you can issue stocks and bonds today at some big New York investment firm. It, there's actually multiple sites of financial practices being developed, whether it's these sort of old, uh, very socially uh, close-knit Boston elites uh, in Boston, which doesn't really have very, very well-developed markets, or New York bond houses, which have deep connections with the, the southern plantation system and the slave system, as well as British banks, or Philadelphia, where you have large, large broad networks of Quaker merchants. And so you see at this time, um, uh, experiment almost in different kinds of American finances uh, so that you have things like the public bonds that are issued to finance the Erie Canal which opens in the mid-1820s that really connects the Great Lakes with New York City and makes New York City a, a really important transshipment point for all that grain of upstate New York which at this point is the breadbasket of America. So, so here's a quiz question. Okay. Was the Erie Canal part of Clay's American system. You tell me, Professor. <laughs> well, as Lewis knows, um, in fact, Erie Canal was financed by the state of New York. It was not financed by the national federal government, which underlines his point that there was a lot of regional difference, a lot of experimentation. If you looked at southern states, they were not interested in building canals. Uh, they were particularly interested in keeping rivers clear because they had great river networks. Steamboats had been uh, invented that could sail up and down the Mississippi and its tributaries against the current, and they could bring cotton back and forth very easily. So that, that was what they wanted. Yeah, and so what you see in this is then a regional competition based in finance. Whether or not the, you would have long distance railroads or canals or even short distance railroads. So we talked about um, the manufacturing of Boston, especially in Lowell. So that place is driven, made possible by having railroads, a very short, privately funded railroad, not involving stocks or bonds, that connects the factories uh, with the city of Boston, the port of Boston. At the same time, there is a more public stock issue that is used to fund uh, a western moving uh, railroad to bring in the hinterland of Massachusetts. And eventually, it's those western-moving railroads that spur regional development in the West, which we'll come back to. Yeah. So I, I think one of the real takeaways here uh, is that a lot of the stories we hear are incomplete or incorrect. So if we read in a textbook uh, that development was, um, was driven by Henry Clay's American system and everybody agreed with that, well, that's incorrect. And we're going to find out just how incorrect that was and how many people disagreed with that sort of program. And it's also so important to drive home again just how varied the American financial system was, that bonds and stocks, things that seemed to be universal and ahistorical, were incredibly varied and shaped by their own particular social and political context, both within small cities, both in terms of, in, in terms of regions, and also by international changes. And at the same time, even though there's all of this uh, diversity and there's uh, all of this entrepreneurship, 
that drives forward the creation of what eventually becomes a much more coherent kind of American capitalism, although there's still going to be big divergences within it. At the same time, one thing that virtually all of those plans and all of those entrepreneurs have in common is that they envision the state as a source of resources for their programs, whether they're looking at the state on the level of New York State or the federal government. They might not necessarily want some other entrepreneurs uh, to get support from the state, to be able to use the state as a source of leverage, but they certainly want that for their own programs. For more information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist, or go to facebook.com slash American Capitalism MOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University. Mm-hmm.